0: If you had the chance, would you change the world? Welcome. I am your host, Ebony Gustav, and this is Cooperative Journal, where I interview mutual aid initiatives and cooperatives from around the world who are creating alternatives to our current economic system. Play Cousins Collective is a black-centered family care network based in Louisville, Kentucky, They are building multi-generational and intersectional Black spaces and community resources rooted in ancestral methods of healing and resistance. Through offering programs at every stage of development, from in utero to adult, they are able to foster a supported and resilient community. In this episode, I speak with Executive Director Kristen Williams about the significance of building a village amongst the African American community. She shares how they started with mapping all of the black businesses and practitioners in their community, voids children of color experience in educational institutions and communities, tools they are utilizing to affirm black power and beauty from a young age, decolonization of mentality and practices, the multitude of programs they offer to all ages, their membership structure, how they navigate generational trauma and healing, and more. Hello, Kristen. Welcome to the podcast. And your baby who's attached to your back, what's your baby's name?
1: Sankara. Sankara. He's named after Thomas Sankara. He was a revolutionary in Burkina Faso.
0: Oh beautiful, welcome to both of you. Thank you so much for joining. And I'm so excited to learn about Play Cousins Collective. So can you share a bit about what it is and what inspired its creation?
1: Sure, Uh, Play Cousins Collective is an African-American family collective and we're building a village around our children. So our vision is that we'll create a space where our children are free to live, play, and prosper. Um, The way we got started was with just parents coming together and talking about how beautiful our neighborhoods are um, and how rich our community is. And feeling like the dominant narrative was not showing us that. You know, we would turn on the news and it would just seem like um, a lack of, you know, and we just wanted our children to grow up knowing how much they are loved and not gr- thinking that for some reason their parents were like inept, you know, like, no, we, 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 there is a, a vibrant Black community alive, I um, mean, moving, right. And we wanted to connect them to that and for that to seem like a real tangible village, you know, um, and so we began to mark out who are the Black doctors, um, the pediatricians, the um, medicine people, you know, all of it, the, the people who are the dentists, every time my child goes to see a service, I want them to see a black person. Um, I want to go to a black grocery store, you know, I want them to see a village, and, but it's going to take a lot of effort on my end to show them what it already exists, right? Just because of the way that capitalism in our society is constantly tearing us apart, and trying to force us into an individualistic ideology we are going to put that effort in to reconnect so we can literally see where the village is right Um, and so with that idea we started a newsletter just saying here's all the community events here's all the black folks doing great work like you know let's move our money around you know let's do it together let's see each other um, and so we would just show up at parks and be like, hey, you with the stroller, have you heard about Play Cousins Collective, you know? Um, and so because we were doing that outreach, uh, Metro United Way reached out to see if we and we would do child care, too. We would go if you were having a community event. We realized that a lot of black families can't come to your community event because you don't have child care. So you want to know what the community thinks, but you don't not only do you not have child care, but you probably didn't provide for transportation. There's probably not food. You know, it might be in the middle of the work day, all kinds of stuff. Um, We thought the least we could do is provide childcare. um, And when we meet with you, we'll also share that you need to set it at this time. You need to provide food. There has to be a way for us to get there. You know, um, we could serve as advocates in our community. And we did all of this with our children in tow. You know, Play Cousins Collective, throughout our evolution, you can, if you're working for Play Cousins, you can always bring your child with you. So my kids are with me all the time, you know. Because um, it's for us, by us, and so that's really how we got started. And it's through that um, relationship with Metro United Way, providing childcare, getting to know all these other organizations, these big white organizations that wanted to do something. You know, these well-funded, huge organizations—they want to help the Black community, right? Um, and so we were able to say, we don't really want help. We want, um, we want land. We want resources. We want. Sort of restitution we want to be able to do for ourselves and you have research-backed methods but a lot of times those research-backed methods are research off of us you know um, and so give us ownership of that knowledge um, what we were able to do is people we've with several other organizations they have information and we'll run it through this um, sieve of Black culture and Black understanding and at the root of it or like the gold that you get after all of that is like it's us every time, right? So like you have all this data, all these surveys that you've done to find out that when families communicate with one another or when they barter and trade, that is a protective factor that will help you um, reduce ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, right? Right. But that that little nugget of gold of what a protective factor is and the millions of dollars it took for you to do all this surveys and stuff is my grandmother, you know, bartering her kale for the neighbor's carrots, right? It's us every time, no matter how you shake it. And so when do we start recognizing that we are rich and I don't need anybody else to come in and tell me how to do. I need to start looking for how we've already done and building on that.
0: Mm. Wow. Play Cousins is even deeper than I thought. I didn't realize you guys are also like basically mapping out the black community of Louisville. So you've done acid-based mapping of all of the industries that people could need for their basic necessities. And what was that process like? Because... I feel like every community should have one of those.
1: Well, it, what's what's very lucky for us is that we started off doing that, but then this organization called Buy Black Lou started, um, and so we've focused on things that are really specific to family. Like, so we have a Black maternal health directory, and we have a, a mental health directory, and then for folks who like know, who are in the know, like they can access our little janky Excel sheet with all the black businesses and all, you know, but otherwise we'd be like, you should check out Buy Black Lou because they have all of these different, you know, vendors and people who can, whatever it is you need, you need a plumber, whatever, because we, we want to share. And that's another part of it is like, viewing um, our community as abundant. So I don't have to compete with my neighbor. You have a service, I don't need to provide that service. You got it, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, exactly, and keeping the wealth circulated in the Black community because it's so much more effort generally to find someone that's a Black professional in what you need rather than just going to a white one. It's 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 out of convenience a lot of the times. Just but they're there. They're just not being highlighted. So. That's incredible, and you were also mentioning that there were these white-led organizations that were helping Play Cleasons Collective throughout the process. And what was that collaboration
1: like? Um, the collaboration has often looked like an MOU with with um, you know white-led or well-funded organizations because of the way that our capitalistic society has, you know, been built. Um, And also like we need funding, you know? So I think we provide a service and it's easy to keep it like that, you know? And I think that within Play Cousins Collective itself, we've had to recreate some systems of like um, capitalism, like we hire people. You know what I mean? It's not we all just come in here and, it's, it's, and we share labor for free. And it has to be like that because of the way our system is set up. Um, but we have wonderful partners who understand and want to do good in our community, but they understand that like it needs to look a certain kind of way where like we have authority over the work that we're providing that it can't feel at no point does it need to feel like you're saving me or helping me. You know what I mean? It can't feel like that. It needs to feel like we're I'm sovereign, and your your method. You say you want to um, get people ready for kindergarten. That's beautiful. I want our children to be ready for kindergarten too. And so, as a sovereign organization and as a sovereign people, we have we've got aligned visions. Let's work together. You know, for me to do that work, I need funding because we're we I'm not a multi-million-dollar you know organization. And I think it's a beautiful partnership. It is no shade or anything like that. I think we're teaching folks how to operate with Black-led organizations um, with respect. We even have like a a sheet of like things not to do if you're like, if an organization is interested, we have like a, how we think? And we're we're creating a training around that too. Like how to engage Black-led organizations and, and Black people don't come to the event and take a picture with a white, a black child, you know, or you, here's a picture of me handing the basket of groceries to this white, I mean, this black child, you know, no, no, thank you, (laughs) you know.
0: So is this like a one pager that you give to the organizations too, or is that internal?
1: Honestly, like we don't give, it's only for, it's internal for us most of the time, you know.
0: That's really important. Important to share that information because so many Black organizations or individuals really lose their sovereignty when they go into those sorts of partnerships because of the power dynamic.
1: And that's that's what I think is like the most powerful thing about Play Cousins is that like before, and it may just be, you know how everybody's wheels start turning and everybody gets on the same page sometimes where it's just a culture shift. But I swear before Play Cousins Collective, people would have flyers and on their flyers, where it's like, we're engaged in the black community, like this is in West Louisville, you know who's coming to the event. But on the flyer, it's like one black person, an Asian person, two white people, they all smiling, you know, come, come help, let us help you with your taxes, you know? And then When Play Cousins came out, we were like, Kente cloth, black faces everywhere. Like it's for us, by us, come now, you know? And now everybody's flyers are like black, you know? And I I mean, of course, like it's the climate that we're in too, right? Like we don't have to be ashamed anymore. But I think that Play Cousins is unapologetic, you know about being black and and not only unapologetic but like just proud, you know what I mean? Just proud to be like, like. We, are, we do believe that we have the answers.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, I love that. Making Black faces at the center and voices. And so what are some of the voids that you feel like children of color experience in educational institutions and communities and how Play Cousins is filling them?
1: Yeah, so for most Black children... When I wake up as a black child, if I wake up in the morning, not only in our community we're waking up super duper early so we can be bused into another community because the taxes is pulled from that richer community to make a better school. And so as a parent, I'm choosing to send my child far out far out of my community. So I'm waking up at like six thirty. You know, I'm at the bus stop before the sun is up, and I'm getting on the bus and. Um, you know, you're dealing with people um, policing your body throughout the day, you know, don't stand up, don't move your arms too wide, you know, don't talk too much. They're policing your volume, the words that you say. I don't remember if, if you were one of those girls in school, but every time my report card came back, it was she talks too much, you know, so I mean, our voices are, are silenced and our bodies are policed. And then as parents, you may come home and your parents are trying to raise you to live in a society where they too are quieted and policed. And so not, so it's not only coming from the teachers, but it also comes from your parents and it's because they love you. But if you move too much, you might get beat, right? Or if you say the wrong thing, you might get beat. Um, and it's very hard and it's very traumatic. And so we at Play Cousins Study, uh, Dr. Joy DeGry's work on post-traumatic slave syndrome. And we look at you know, how has, how is our parenting being influenced by trauma and what is ancestral methods of healing and resilience versus what is um, born from trauma and how do we stop trying to survive um, and, and start trying to thrive.
0: That's really interesting how we even interact with our children, how that is informed by slavery.
1: Oh man, like I used to take my son to a garden when he was little, this beautiful garden. It was like a white space, but it was just everything to me. I owned it in my mind. And I would bring him there and there was a children's garden and he would talk to the attendants. He was like two, you know, and he I, I'm raising him to speak and be loud and be heard, right? And so one woman said, "Oh, your son is so smart, you know. He is just really, I mean, amazing." And inside of me, I'm not sure why. Well, I know now why, but at the moment, I was like, "Oh, he just he watches a lot of TV, you know, and he doesn't listen very well, right?" And then that white woman went on, you know, and I thought to myself, I left was left standing there thinking, "Why did I say that? And did my son hear me say that? You know?" Um, And then after reading Dr. Joy DeGruy, she has a thing in there where she's talking about if you were a slave and a white slave owner came up to you and said, oh, your son's so strong, he's so smart, the first thing you would do is say he's lazy, you don't want him. Because if you were to say he's great as well, maybe he would sell him down south, right? You would never see your child again. So, it's you know, there are things that work within us that we do not know, that we are not recognizing, and we have to do the work to suss it out. And recognize what is trauma and what is a method of healing, you know, and 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 stop, <laughs> you know, and, and so we really do believe that through parenting, we, you know, if I'm intentional about the way that I parent, I can heal that generational trauma, and my child won't have to carry it, you know. Now, can I heal it completely? No, because the injury is continuous, mm-hmm. but I can do what I can not to pass down those ways of my of participating in our oppression.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. that makes me think of how it evolves into adulthood too like if somebody generally if somebody gives you a compliment you're like you negate it with something instead of just saying thank you you're like right. oh oh this old thing if somebody compliments your outfit or your your hair and your you don't really embody that compliment instead you try to divert it
1: absolutely Yeah. And then on top of that, like, there's nuances there, too, of like, you know, sexism and like all of that, all of that is a part of like white white patriarchy and how we negotiate every day, you know, navigate each interaction, you know.
0: Yes. And so Play Cousins is filling these voids through programming that involves not only children, but the family as a whole you're really taking a holistic approach to healing the Black community. And so can you speak about some of the programs that you offer for youth and
1: adults? Sure. Um, so we have Soul Sisters and Brother Healing Brother, and those are mental health support groups that gather. Um, Soul Sisters is a Femi-centered space, um, and they, they get, both of them gather on the last Sunday of every month. Um, and there's black female therapist in the space. And then there's black male therapist in the other space. And one um, congregates at Roots 101, African-American Heritage Museum. And then um, the other is here at Play Cousins Collective. And both are provided with childcare. Folks come in and they just share um, their life experiences. They, and the group kind of picks what they want to talk about next. Some, so issues that are coming up, you know, they kind of vote and decide what they really feel like they need to work through. you know. Um, and so that's always powerful, and we really think of that as parenting our inner children and think that um, as Black people, if we're able to parent our inner children, then we'll be safe around children, but um, anybody, everybody is welcome within um, Play Cousins Collective as long as you are safe around our children, right, and so it's definitely intergenerational and intersectional space, and that's the way that it has to be, right, Um, and then we have um, tummy time and that's for parents who are pregnant or who are uh, raising infants. And it's a group where we come together once a month and talk about our issues or we'll have like a play date. And then we have circle time, which helps children get ready for kindergarten and it's still it's a parent group. So we come together to talk or we come together to play. And we, when we come together, we want to model that positive parenting and um, different ways just to be healthy for one another. or talk about the ways that we need help doing that, you know. Um, and then we have elementary innovation that we're trying to build out. Um, it's funny because the organization is really growing with us, um, and so it's skipping. Like we have our most of our from the core organizers, our kids are like seven and under. But we're the 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 community is like we need programs for everybody. I have adult children. I want to have a parent group about. I've got tweens. I've got teens, um, and so we're building out the tenacious. I mean, tween tenacity and elementary innovators in the Rites of Passage program with Bernheim Forest and Bridge Kids International. Um, And that's like an intense, like a legit Rites of Passage program. Like it's crazy. And so they'll be meeting once a week for months where um, they're learning about the community and themselves and what is Nia and all all of that. Um, And going through like rituals. So I'm excited about that program. Um, and then we have a, a group to support parents of teens, which is coming of age. Um, and so those are all of our groups. And then we have some programs like Solace, which is a program for children who have experienced adverse childhood experiences, um, where there's Black therapists in the space and they have a, they participate in a lesson around social and emotional health. Um, that's once a month. And then we also have the Mazzizi Homeschool Co-op, which supports homeschooling families Tuesdays and Thursdays with um, a whole, a full day of curriculum and a space where they gather and talk about what are the hardships of homeschooling? You know, really all of these spaces are meant to help us mark out, continuously marking out what are the resources in our community and how do we organize them and and make sure they're accessible to all of us. Mm. That's it.
0: (laughs) Wow, that's incredible. You guys are touching on every... Stage of development throughout the life journey from infancy to adulthood and everything in between and that's so important because the people in your community know that they have ongoing support in any aspect of their life and i love what you said about healing the inner child so you can be a better parent because A lot of our subconscious tendencies that we then put on to our children comes from um, childhood trauma that we haven't worked through. So that's really, really special. And I'm wondering how, how are the programs structured? Do you invite anyone from the community to facilitate a program uh, and then there's some sort of vetting process or how does that work
1: so in the space parents will share what they want to talk about or what are some of the issues that they're struggling with and then the program manager will seek out uh, black voices first um, or the the form like the foremost expert you know who's the best expert in this area Um, And then if they're not a black person, then they'll work with them to make what they're talking about more relevant to us. So it's not foreign information, but we we really try when we're engaging adults to stay away from the term education and be more into remembering because a lot of these things, we just need to remember where we've seen it before because it's ours, you know? and it's not that it's not other people's too, but like, like if it's a, a Latinx community, they have their own ways of doing these same things that are research backed, you know, by other by somebody who is other than them, you know. And so it's important for all of us to claim knowledge and recognize it um, within us, you know. And there, I mean, that's such a um, part of like the Black experience too, of like knowledge of self and like really finding practicing sankofa, going back and get it. Like that's that's a practice of ours, and so how do we put that into play? Definitely, it definitely shows up in the way that we create our programming.
0: Mm. Yes, I also love not seeing the adults as teachers, but more so guides towards ourselves, towards remembering ourselves, right. mm-hmm. and. I know that you guys also really try to curate the spaces in a way to embody and empower and illuminate Blackness. So can you speak about how the spaces are formed?
1: Yeah, I think it's really, really important that when somebody, when a Black person comes through the door in a space it's safe for them, that they see people who look like them Um, And that those people are like happy (laughs) and not like a fake happy, but like, we're like, let me call your name out and come and greet you. Right. You know, when you come into a space and your elders in the space, you have got to say, "You hello, you need to speak. Right. It's like number one in the black community. So speaking to each other and playing music that is um, that you recognize with a beat that you recognize, but also playing music that is not Um, a tool of an oppressor, right? So we wanna make sure nobody was paid to tell us this to put us in jail, but like that this music encourages encourages us to love each other. Um, Especially when it's a a space for children. Um, The music that they hear is, I love my skin. I love my hair. And it may be put to a beat that they already are familiar with because they heard it on the radio but it's somebody else singing. So it's like, I love my life. You know, all of this really positive affirmation that's going in the background. So even if you just sit there, you're gonna get something, right? Um, And so you come in, we're speaking, there's music playing, there's food there. That's a huge one. You know, that's, if you know, think about going into your grandmother's kitchen, there's something, you're gonna get something, you're gonna eat, right? Um, They're gonna ask you, have you ate? And so having food there available, you know, we need abundance in food around and the food needs to be healthy and it needs to be something that they recognize um and then food okay music and then the the curriculum needs to be um not curriculum but for kids like we have a curriculum that we build out right so we'll take an issue is really all of our programs are like issue based um where it's like okay for for adults it's we want to manifest so we have a whole program around how do you manifest things and you know all these different activities that are led by black folks um, and then for children, like we have a, I'm in the library now actually, I have all these folders with lesson plans in them. But we have like a healthy eating and seasons and I love my hair superhero. I'm actually this whole, this whole room is like full of lesson plans and books inside of them. And all the book, all the, these little boxes that have um, books in them, all the books like have an African-American character as the center. Um, so we have differently abled, black girl magic, black boy brilliance, good body, I love my hair, Boundaries is a really good one. Boundaries is all about this black girl that has an Afro and everybody wants to touch her hair. But it's so great because it teaches the children like their bodies belong to them, right? And they have to give consent for somebody to touch them. Like, oh man, And in that that lesson plan, we play red light, green light. And so the person who is playing, who's the, you know, saying red light, green light, you have to not only listen to their mouth, but you have to look at their body language. And so if I say yes, but I'm going like this, don't move. I thought my hands are up, you know, and my face is grimacing. You don't move forward because you know that I'm not really consenting, right? So talk about what is, you know, reading body language, but we get into all of, all of it. um, Yeah, it's it's powerful work. And it feels so good that like my children get to be in it. And I have, um, I have like the vocabulary and I have the, The lessons we make our lessons available to our members through our member site. um, But that I have that you know in my backpack ready to use when we meet a hard conversation. You know,
0: Mm. those affirmations are so powerful because that's literally reprogramming our subconscious mind. Well, at that age, you're programming it, so Mm -hmm. that's so important to have those words of empowerment and like self-confidence
1: around them all
0: the time.
1: And you were asking me too about like the experience of the black child in our regular like education institutions. And like, that's the part where like, we get to go into into the school system and like change classrooms and and create that, what we create here, like we take it out into community and we play the music and we have the snacks and we got, you know, the teachers and the books. And so we'll go into the school system and what's really nice is to see the, the faces of our children. Like when we go into those spaces, like they feel powerful and they feel a little braver to like move their bodies, you know, that they can stand in next to their desk where a teacher might say, sit down, you know, you need to sit down Jamal. And it's like, actually he can stand next to his desk. I can have a little, I'll put a little circle here. And then he knows like, this is his area, but like he can move it, you know, and, um, yeah, it's nice. And it's nice for the teachers to enjoy it, too, you know.
0: Yeah, it's like creating boundaries, but also allowing the child to create their own. And so mm-hmm. you're going into the public school system and doing like more one off classes with them
1: as well. Yeah. And I mean, that's the beauty, too, is that, you know, we when we talk about like, how do we fund our work? We provide these services, like, we provide them for free or at a sliding scale rate to Black-led organizations serving historically Black neighborhoods, but if a larger company or, you know, if you're doing something that's aligned with our work, we can come out and provide that for, like, a fee, and then that fee can help us, can help sustain us, you know?
0: Mm. Wow. Are you guys creating curriculums to share with other communities that are interested in starting a collective like this?
1: Yeah, well, in December, we'll be selling them online. But then the in the same way that it's like a black lead thing, you know, if, if other folks that are, you know, doing wanting to do something yeah, we can definitely share some and then also we have them free, we have a select amount, like a lot of the social and emotional ones, like I love my hair, and I love my skin. Those are on our member site. So anybody can become a member. They can go to tinyurl.com slash member play and see our member site.
0: Mm. And are there different levels to membership?
1: Not right now. I mean, we do want to create a membership where it, it costs money, but right now it's free to become a member.
0: How do you imagine the membership structure evolving
1: well, we know that we always want it to be free um, at, one, at one level, but we want people to be able to support and we have people who want to support. So we want to create other levels where it's like there could be a monthly or an annual support level.
0: Mm. Okay. And so anybody can sign up. There's no like vetting process for people that want to be members
1: no it does ask you are you raising a black child when you do the membership and we prefer for that answer to be yes Mm
0: -hmm. and since it's a collective of families but then you also have educators are the educators also a part of the membership or is that
1: yes so when we say like for us by us it means like and, and even like the term play cousin right is from You separating my family, perhaps, and me having to come up with family. That's why like in the black community, I can say this is my aunt or this is my sister. And you don't know for real if it's, you know, are we blood related, but also you don't ask, right? Because this is, this is my sister, this is my sister, right? Um, And so that's, the Play Cousins is for everybody that's safe around black children. Um, And we need the uncles and the aunties, you know? Y'all had the most energy, shoot. So it's like, um, yeah, we have, uh, so if people are, most of the people who work for Play Cousins are participants of Play Cousins, you know? I mean, we have some students who may not make it to Soul Sisters, but they're still benefiting from what Play Cousins is creating, Mm. you know? Absolutely.
0: Amazing. So what are some of the benefits of children and parents engaging in the collective as a member?
1: Um, you get invited to different events. And also what's funny is that like people really do want to, peop, like organizations and, and spaces want to engage the Black community. And so we're really able to create a sovereignty and a way for us to come in with power into these spaces. So like you have a beautiful art museum and you really want the Black community to be there. Let us come in with, and when we come in, we want, we want to see the African art. You know, we want to have a conversation around theft, all of that. You really want us in here, like let us be in here and let us be loud and let us talk about how you got us messed up and you know all of that. If you love us for real, right? And we're in a cult, in a climate where folks want to do that. Praise God, and we'll also say that like everybody is indigenous to somewhere. And so whoever you are, whatever color you are, you have some indigenous ways and some ways to get cooperative about the way you're living your life. So you need to connect with them. Don't come over here and try to get me in, in my ways and wear my kente cloth. No, what you can do is find what's what's real to you and build on that, you know, and talk with folks who look like you about how you can, you know, come to terms um, and find what's trauma and what's ancestral.
0: I love that you're going into like a gallery space, for instance, and maybe the day that they're debuting that show, because then you're getting people that are not necessarily aware of cooperative models and you're introducing them to it or aware of the need for um, black voices and black curriculum and community to really be centered. And so collaborating with these institutions that may not completely align with your values, but that they're open to it, they're open to spreading it is so important instead of just like co-ops and mutual aid initiatives just siloing with each other and collaborating with each other, which is so important as well. But Mm -hmm. if we're really trying to like reach the masses, we need to go to where they go as well.
1: Right, but we have to, like we talked about earlier, like you really have to be clear about intentions and purpose, like, and it needs to be kind of cut and dry. Like you got tickets, we got people, shake hands. You know what I mean? And like, when we come, like, it's gonna be us and it's not gonna be, you know, we've come places before and they've been like, oh, the bathroom is locked. And then it's like, oh no, I know the director like we've been asked to be here. You know what I mean? And that's what's just crazy. But that's that when I talk about what's a what is a benefit of play cousins is that when we move in numbers, things change. You know, I, I show up as 50 people to your museum and the bathroom is locked or, you know, you know, wherever we are, the zoo or whatever. Why? And did you know? I know the director? We, you know, what I mean? it's just and we shouldn't have to move this way. But all of this work that we're doing is to create a buffer between those who say they're here to serve us and. Um, us. You know what I mean? Because everywhere we go, it's like, you know, I go to the doctor and I have to, I'm telling you I'm in pain, but you're not listening to me. Okay, now I need a doula. Well, Play Cousins has a directory of doulas. You know what I mean? Here's all the Black doctors. And we need that because we're trying to survive here. And I don't want to have to take it out of my kids for me to, you know what I mean? I don't want to have to make myself small and make my children small. No, our ancestors already have done that, like for us to survive. And we're in a space now where we don't have to do that. We not, you know what I mean? This is the next evolution of of, of us providing for our kids. We are our ancestors' wildest dream. What does that look like? Not the same ways.
0: Yes, and yeah, that's holding. When you're moving in greater numbers, that allows for like spaces to be held accountable to who otherwise wouldn't if they're just committing that discrimination against one person or even holding the professionals that you go to for your services accountable because then you can maybe there's a option for reviews or forum or you can just speak to people in your community and know who they've gotten services from and and know that you have choices
1: Absolutely. That choice is part I mean, we're at that right now where we have like a plethora of resources, but that is a beautiful like evolution of what like have we have the power to do is like create that review and all, you know, and that is hard. Like with, like we use Wild Apricot for our membership site, but that is one of the challenges of the organization is finding the platforms to manifest the dreams that we have in our head, you know?
0: hmm yeah, because it can be such a robust online community too, like nationwide. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I know that you guys have been collaborating with organizations, and you also do some um, one-off events where you go into schools and galleries and things to get funding but what are some other ways that you get funding
1: um so we have the child care that we provide our children's programming we we want to begin to sell our newsletter i mean um, our lesson plans and so that'll start in december and then we'll also have like an online shop where folks can get like sweaters and you know shirts and stickers and stuff um and then we have like grants you know we, we provide services through grants. Like, I mean, I guess not provide services through grants, but we get funding from grants. We're a nonprofit. Long way to get to like the name, we're a nonprofit. And a lot of people don't like nonprofits, but it works for us, I think. You know, I think there's trauma around all different kinds of systems that are out here, but we have to make this system work and figure out ways, you know, to do that. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, as a non-profit, you're able to get greater amounts of funding, but yeah, I think it's all about where you end up funneling it, and it seems right. like you guys are funneling it into programs that are of benefit to the greater whole and are cr- creating a community and um, services of support, so it's not like you're just extracting it for yourselves.
1: Right. I think that is what makes it different and I think a lot of nonprofits do have that savior mentality that we're just using the tools that are here and I think um, it would be our dream to manifest like a time the same way that like the tools that our ancestors used may no longer serve us now Um, I would love to come to a time where the tools that we're using no longer serve our children you know I was just gonna say that we wanna have spaces where folks come in and they volunteer and have the time. But like, we don't, we are living where we have to work like nonstop in order to provide for our kids, you know? And if I gotta pay you to come in, that's what's great about like being an AYA is that the children's programmers is that like, uh, I mean, children programmers, the people who provide children's programming, um, they come in and they bring their children with them. I'm gonna pay you to spend time with your child and teach them about Nana Ya Santawa, you know what I mean? Like. Like, that's what's so brilliant about it, you know? And yeah, we need it, we need it all the time. We need money to, but if we can get money and land, then we wouldn't, maybe we wouldn't have to pay people. Or if we lived in a more collective way, maybe I wouldn't have to work Monday through Sunday to, you know, make ends meet. So that's another thing we do is provide time to step away as a family and celebrate one another and, and get out of that rat race.
0: Well, it's really important that you guys are even offering some type of compensation because a lot of people expect you to do this type of work for free and have a child and figure out childcare for them while you do this work. Um, and, yeah, that's just, like, the way we have to navigate through the capitalist society, Um but not do it in an extractive way, but in a sharing and a co-creative way. Um, And you were talking about, like if we were living off of the land and created our own communities, we wouldn't need this. And so I'm curious, what's like the greater vision for Play Cousins Collective? What are some things that in your wildest dreams you want to be funded?
1: For, right, like in my very real dreams, like mm-hmm. right now, we want land. Right now, we are in um Lyle's Mall, which is like you know a complex of like different built like uh, businesses, you know. And so, we're in a suite on the second floor, and there's we have a playground inside our suite, like a little you know play set. But it would be my dream is that we would have a space that's spacious enough for us to have a school, um, that you know, a real school, and then that we could have land outside where the children can play. So we could have like a forest school too, for the, especially for the younger kids, but really for all ages, like adults included, like we need to be in touch with nature. That's our ancestral way, like having a garden and you know playing freely for hours outside. And then I wanna have like a, a cafe where there's a big window and the parents can come and sit by the window and drink coffee and work on their laptops and they can see their children outside the window, like playing outside. And then we, they can come in, and we can say, "Y'all better choose if you're gonna be inside or outside." You know, that's what I want. <laughs> I want that for us. Um, and I think that's where a lot of Black-led organizations are, where it's like, "Okay, this has been cute, but like, we need land." You know, I need to own land. So that's where we are right now. And then, you know, more and more of that of of assisting us to take ownership over real land but also just over our lives and over our spaces and really resisting the gentrification that is happening um in our community so in west louisville west of ninth street is um the black neighborhoods you know there's like nine black neighborhoods there's one that's like predominantly white Um, but there's a lot of black people living there too but just like recognizing what the historically black neighborhoods are and some of those are outside of west louisville um, and what does that look like in ownership and creating more of that ownership and really just giving our gov- getting our government to even recognize that these are historically black neighborhoods. So a lot of that is like within um the structure that's now but one day yes absolutely owning land and living off the land and you know all of that. I think it's just like a yes and like we we like our urbanness, you know, and we like our technology, but like we want it to be equitable and um, sustainable oh my god sustainable right so I'm doing everything that's been done and making it work
0: yes well I don't know how West Louisville is set up but maybe you can have both you can have land that's not too far have that as an option even if it's just like weekend retreats at the beginning um if it is that you're renting land at first, but yeah, ultimately to have a education center, a healing center, and mm-hmm. land is land is the goal because it's the ultimate sovereignty. And again, it's where our ancestors thrived off of the land. And so also healing that trauma from the land and making it something that's actually empowering and allows us to be financially stable and um, really get all of our basic needs
1: met through each other. Absolutely. I'm sure you hear my, my baby yeah. is like really excited at what you're saying. <laughs> yes, Land. Right
0: now. Well, before they get too angsty, I'll, I'll ask you just one more question. Um, so we started visioning a little bit, but I would love to know, how do you envision a changed world, um, through the
1: lens of the Black community? Mm. I envision us creating more language around the ways that we have survived, the positive ways that we've survived. Those ancestral methods of healing and resilience, really mapping those out, and then communicating those with to other marginalized people, um, and creating ways that they can recognize those within their own histories, um, and using those ways to transform their lives and their communities. And a lot of that is sustainability. Um, whether it be like bartering or um, composting and gardening, you know, you know Thomas Sankara said like he who owns your um, food owns you, right? So like growing our own food and becoming more and more sovereign, I think that's just the main issue is that we're not in control in so many ways of what is put in our water, of what is on our food, of you know, the way, the ways that we have to consume, the ways that we have to interact with each other out of, you know, a spirit of lack and really just transitioning into a psychological village model first and then really creating that within the community. Mm. I
0: love that, creating a psychological model of community first. Yeah, that makes it, I think, an easier transition to start that in the urban environment that you're in now and then take those people that have already been putting in the work and shifting their perspectives and really getting rooted in these ideologies to then take them to the land instead of taking them to the land and then try to shift their perspective.
1: Yeah, because like my friend posted like this this town, this entire town that's for sale. I'm like, we ain't built the trust yet. Like we don't have the language, like we don't have the rules wrote out. Like there's a lot that we need to do first before we get to that level, you know? And we have to remember, we got to figure out ways. What does sovereignty look like when we are interacting with these other, uh, this government, all of that, because are they just gonna come by and bomb us again? Like. You know, what are we doing here? What is our plan? I need to know the plan.
0: Yes, it has to be very strategic um, because it's still a threat, unfortunately. So we have to know how to navigate.
1: There has to be a way for white folks too to interact with what we're doing in a way that's healthy. Um, so it can't just be like, I'm healing from what you did you know what i mean no it has to be like these are the ways that you can heal too cuz like we everybody within white supremacy is hurt white wealthy men are committing suicide you know so no, this doesn't serve anybody nobody wants this anymore like no so like how do we all come away from this you know whole
0: i've also been thinking about that it's like capitalism is affecting everyone now it's yeah. not just people of color and it's like if we're doing the healing but they aren't then we're just the same system is perpetuating absolutely Mm. yeah thank you so much and 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 also it could just be inviting them into not just but one of the ways is inviting them into these spaces to just like be and listen and observe how we I think you have to be
1: very other. careful about that i think I think I'd rather come into their space and just talk to them. You know what I mean? I mean? I can show you pictures of my space and videos of my space. I can tell you the way that we create our space, but my space is sacred. And if you're coming in this space, like there's probably a reason. you know it's just, you gotta be careful because of our history, you know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what your life is like, Ebony, because my life is my mother is white, but like that's you know, there's not a lot of white, there's a few, there's a handful of white folks, you know, but Kentucky is like super racist and super like institutionalized. So it's a lot of like negotiating that you have to do um with relationships. You know, people their knowledge is not there, the pride is not there. You know, blackness is looked at as a deficit in a lot of spaces still. You know, you say Black Lives Matter, but like, you think you're doing a favor to me when you said it. And that's a problem. Mm,
0: mm, Yeah, you're very right. Because a white person coming into a Black sacred space could make people feel really uncomfortable.
1: Absolutely. Because there's a lack of trust. Yeah, we're trained, if, if not that, like, we're trained to be then like, okay, this person's in charge. You know what I mean? Or we're going to center that person's experience and now it's all about you know how they feel you know now i got to educate you about our why our lives are important and why what we're doing here is matters and you know like we don't want to do any of that and also i don't want you to come in and like you know tell me how much you know i don't want to do anything where it's like you're talking you know i mean like this is our space to talk you know, so if you're gonna come in here and say, oh, this is so important. And this is why I think racism is a problem and all of that. And we're gonna give you all the cookies. And I can't do that either. Even if you're like a beautiful ally, like this is not the space for you in, in a lot of ways. There's other spaces that we can create that we need to create. where it's like all these folks who are doing this collective work are coming together, but that's a whole different space. Yes,
0: yes, yeah, creating separate spaces but also spaces of unison where we can learn from each other but in a way that it doesn't feel very extractive on one side to make the white counterpart feel comfortable and informed because that's a sucking our own energy
1: yeah You have to I have to know that when I come here that you respect me and that I'm seen as sovereign. Mm. I'm not coming here for you to educate me. I'm not coming here for no favors. You know.
0: Yes. Boundaries. Also amazing that y'all are teaching that at such a young age, too.
1: Yes. I
0: love it. Okay. Thank you. You're Baby has been so patient. Wow! Yeah, I am impressed. Nice.
1: <laughs> he's eating, so <laughs> I didn't just, like stew him up. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm.
0: well, I appreciate you being so present amidst all your multitasking, mm-hmm. and for yeah. sharing your time with me.
1: Thank you so much. I'm really honored and proud of your work. Now that I know of it, I gotta go like read all of it, like the articles and listen to all the podcasts so thank you thank you so
0: much for tuning into this episode I'm on a mission to get these little known solutions out to as many people as possible so please help me by sharing leaving a like and a review if you would like to stay in the loop about future episodes please subscribe to the podcast or my newsletter at cooperativejournal.com I didn't say save the world, I said change the world, improve it, make it better than we find it.